Thank you, guys. Um, just before I, I speak, just to give some notices, um, the uh, prayer meeting tonight, 7 o'clock on Zoom, continues. Great opportunity for us just to seek God. Um, and also Wednesday morning, half past eight, as well on Zoom for half an hour, just to pray for our community, pray that the Lord will move in our community. Um, also, just had a message through the website, um, nothing to be concerned about, um, but it wasn't a thug from the street on the drums, it's actually Jack. That was literally from the website, from your father. He was a bit concerned, who, who we had dragged off the street from some kind of protest or something, I don't know. Um, and also, just to encourage you, we, we can fit more in on a Sunday if you're at home and you didn't know whether you could come. Um, and to remind you that we can sit up to six people from different households around a table. They have to be one metre apart. If they're different households, they're the same households. You can get as close as you want. So you won't be sitting on your own unless you want to. Um, so again, I will send out another link to book some space for next week. Um, so just to encourage you to do that. It's great um, just to be with others in worship. I trust that you've been encouraged, those that have been here, and encouraged those that have been at home. But I wanted to speak this morning um, just about, uh, I don't know what what, um, title I'll give it, so maybe I'll wait to the end and then I'll I'll give it a title. But um, I'm convinced that this pandemic has led to, um, you know, with its restrictions and all these kind of things, will lead to either a greater resilience in our relationship with God or a greater level of compromise. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that I think sometimes these kind of challenges and difficulties in society, we're separated from our norms of Christian living, our church life together, um, and it can lead to either us really holding on to God and really going deep in our disciplines of reading the word, of prayer, worship, um, and maintaining that priority, or we will become... Um, uh, kind of relaxed and compromised in the sense that we, we shift that priority onto other things. And it's so easy to do that. And I've felt the pressure to do that. And I, I, you know, just looking at the church and reading about the church worldwide, as well as, uh, well, particularly in the West, um, a new report, this is in America, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was similar today. I think it's called from an organization called Barma. Um, one in three have stopped going to church, stopped identifying with church. And, and that's really interesting, I find. And I think it's a real challenge for us as a church and as Christians. You know, what is this pandemic doing for us in our relationship with God? Is it making us go deeper with God? Or, or are we having to be reminded um, on a Sunday morning to set the alarm to get up in time that we may, you know, connect in? Or, or do you watch the service when you're doing your ironing late at night because you want to do something else other times? And and I don't mean to be provocative for the sake of provocative, but in a sense, I think, actually, when we understand the scriptures and we look at the, the message of the gospel, it is provocative. So I hope that you'll understand that's where I'm coming from. Just a read a verse, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so I want to just, initially, I want to just provoke some thought. Um, have we neglected gathering together? And what does that mean? There's some of you, if you will um, know of what's going on over, if anyone knows John MacArthur and you're following that whole thing about their church meeting and the, the um, government, the, or the, the 
California government is wanting to shut them down and things like that. And, um, and he made this point, he says, we are commanded to gather together. And in a sense, he's right. And in the scripture, it says that we are commanded to gather together. But it doesn't say about how many, it doesn't say where. Um, it doesn't dictate what makes a church. We know in the scriptures that two or three gather together, there is Christ in the midst. Um, and so when I talk about gathering together, I'm not talking about Sunday mornings. And I want to make this point that this, this morning with us in this room, if you come here on a Sunday, is not us trying to forge our way back to what we used to do. Neither is it what we are planning to be as we go forward. It is what we are now. And I, and I really believe that we as a church in this country and in, in the world has an opportunity to seek God and ask God, what does the shape of church look like? And if we lose that opportunity because we're just trying to get back to what we used to be, then I think we would do not only ourselves a disservice, but we would lose out on what God has got for us as a church. And so there's a real ex- excitement there. You know, what are we becoming? Um, how, how do we experiment or investigate what church is and what God is making us to be? But one thing will be certain, the church will gather. And it may gather online, it may gather in smaller groups, it may gather as a whole, but it will gather and we need to make a commitment when God adds us to the church, a local church I mean, that we make a commitment to gather with that church. And I believe that there is something unique about the gathering, that we gather with when others are gathering at that time. When I'm on my own and I'm checking up the recorded video from this morning and I'm watching it at four o'clock in the afternoon because I couldn't be bothered to get up in the morning because I was tired, I'm not gathering with the church. Now, if I worked all night and I, and I came back from work at four o'clock in the morning and I woke up, different story. You know what I mean. You know where I'm coming from. So... In days of opportunity, we find there's a challenge, there's difficulty, there's restrictions, but in every challenge, every difficulty, and I think this is the gospel, is God turns it around for his good. Amen? Man, you can say amen in the, in the house, you know, this is, this is good. Usually it's, it's the, just the worship team and, um, anyway. So, you know, Acts 2.44, it's another, um, just to encourage us, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were together. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as, had, as any had need. And day by day, in attending the temple, they gathered together in large groups and breaking bread in their homes. They gathered in their homes. And, um, and they, uh, Acts 20 verse 7 tells us that they met on the first day of the week. It looks like um, that they would meet after the Sabbath. The early church would have probably continued with the Sabbath. At the end of the Sabbath, they would have met. Um, I think in Acts 20, there's a story of the young man who falls asleep, falls out the window and dies. It says that because Paul was preaching till midnight. Um, these people were hungry. So it's not about what time the church meets. It's that the church meets. And the early church chose that first day because it followed on from the Sabbath and eventually the Sabbath lost its place in the, in the, in the church um, for this first day of the week, and uh, and I wonder whether there's some in our in our church who have neglected to gather together, um, whether that's in community groups or whether that's in you know um, on a Sunday just around YouTube as we gather, and uh, and I, and I think that there is something that we need to be cautious of as a church that we do not allow this pandemic to rob us of what God has already given us. Um, you know, we heard that uh, last week from Timo, talking about how the enemy seeks to rob us of things. 
And, um, and I, but I think there's an underlying issue that I want to speak into this morning. And I trust that you will be encouraged and challenged by it as much as I am. And I'm asking, Lord, um, I will feel like a hip- hypocrite preaching this, as often some preachers do, if you have to speak something that the Bible preaches because you know that it's not necessarily had its fullness in your own life, you know. But I've got two verses. The first verse is this, Mark 15:21, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry Jesus' cross. So you might know when Jesus is carrying his cross, they pull this guy out and they say, you carry it for him, and he carries his cross. That's the first verse. And the other verses I want to read is Mark 8, 34 to 37. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And uh, just as Simon was called out to carry the cross following Jesus, so we are called to carry our cross. Simon didn't die on the cross, Jesus did that. We don't die on our cross, as it were, in salvation sense, but we certainly are crucified with Christ, if you know that scripture. Um, and it's this, I think, that when you go under this deeper level of when you, you see the pandemic, you see our lives, you see what's going on in our lives and things like that, and then you just go under and you ask yourself, yourself this question of Jesus. It says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Um, and uh, I want to ask you this morning, have you or are you daily dying to yourself? That's what it means to take up the cross. Matthew 7 verse 13 says about the Christian life, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You know, there are some things that we find difficult in this life. Every one of us, we will find something difficult. If we never found anything difficult in this life, we are probably not walking the narrow way. You know, if we follow Jesus, we will have trouble. And if we find trouble in our way, we know that something, and I don't mean consequences of sin, I mean trouble through living for Jesus, that we will find that that is an encouragement that we are walking the narrow way. And now I've started reading The Pilgrim's Progress has anyone read it? Let me just see a show of hands. I want to see who hasn't read it. Who hasn't read it? Maybe that might be better. I want to encourage you to read it. I know it's old English, but it is phenomenal. It's the second biggest selling book in the world ever, I think, from the Bible. I think that's true. Um, and it's, it's uh, John Bunyan. Read it. It is incredible. Or even just watch the cartoon. You know, it is, it is a picture of salvation and the walk to, of this guy called Christian who's escaping from the city of um, desolation, I think, his city. And um, and it's the story of how he carries his burden and all his fears and all his woes and all his worries. And it says this, it says, it's, it's written like a dream. It says, Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall. And that wall was called salvation. So he's come to the cross. 
Never, so I should preempt this. He's, he's pointed in the direction by a man he meets called Evangelist. He meets various people along the road. And he comes to the cross. And he sees this cross up on a hill. And he comes up to this cross. And as he comes up to the cross, this burden that he's been carrying, Daniel, uh, we did a play years back of this, and Daniel was Christian. And he came up, still pictured now, to the cross. And his rucksack fell off his back. And, and he says of Christian, it rolled down the hill into a tomb. And it never showed itself again. And Christian was free. And, he, and, and it says that he met... Um, I've actually got it here. He ran thus till he came at a place somewhat ascending. Upon that place stood a cross and a little below in the bottom a tomb. So I saw in my dream that as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loose off his shoulders, fell off his back and began to tumble and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell in and saw no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, he has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Now as he stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him with peace be to thee. So the first said to him, thy sins be forgiven thee. The second stripped him of his rags, clothed him with a change of clothes, and the third set a mark on his forehead and gave him a roll with a seal upon it. It says in Ephesians 1.13, In him you also, when you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory, which he bade him look as he ran, that he should give it in, at the celestial gate, so they went their ways. He meets these three people. They give him a mark, a seal, which is a roll, and in it is is the word of life and uh, a new set of garments. You see, there's no other way except through the cross, and this is the point. The the, the narrow gate, it talks in, I think, elsewhere in Scripture that about through Christ, it represents Christ, his death. Through Christ, we come into the way. The narrow way. The narrow way doesn't lead to the gate. The gate is the beginning of the narrow way. The cross is the beginning of the narrow way. And as it says in in, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, this way has these walls high up above it. It's a narrow way and he's walking. And there is no other way. And we read on Christian meets these fellows along the way. One is called hypocrisy and one is called formalist. And they climb over over the walls. And, uh, and Christian talks with these men on the journey and it says to them, but you have no garment, you have no mark, no seal to present at the celestial city. Um, and they say, oh, well, we will explain our way. They didn't come through the cross, but as these guys are walking along, they hit a place called the Hill of Dis- Difficulty. It's called COVID-19. And, uh, and there are two roads either way. There is a road of destruction and a road of danger. The hill that was too harsh for these hypocrisy and for formalists that they decided to go the other way and they were never seen of since. But Christian knew he had to climb the hill of difficulty. And maybe for you and I at the moment, there are, we are climbing the hill of difficulty. And, um, and it says in Mark um, 8, 34, 37, I've read it before, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever would lose his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Just as hypocrisy and formalists wanted to save their life, they went down the roads of danger and destruction were never seen before. If we want to save our life, and that means save our soul, that word can be interchangeable, 
It means if you want to know the fullness of life, you've got to go through the hill of difficulty. And this is what Christian does. He meets some other people on the road and uh, <clears throat> and they they tell him of these dangers ahead on the hill of difficulty. There is a lion on the hill of difficulty, they tell him. But nevertheless, he still goes up. See, the narrow way from the perspective of the world is to lose everything. Really, when people look at the Christian life, they shouldn't see a life of a bed of roses, but they should see a hill of difficulty. That's what he's saying. But because we, when we look at it, we see the difficulty, but we see that is the way of life. Amen? I read uh, from Spurgeon this week and he said this, the two most important things in our holy religion are the life of faith and the walk of faith. In other words, you will never find a true Christian who simply believes but does not walk the life. He doesn't walk the narrow way. In other words, we read the word and we live it out. We live out what we're reading. And all across the world, there are Christians who do not know Jesus. And and we have to have a realisation here that that probably includes some people in our church. Let's just face facts. But, and I'll tell you why I know that. Because in math, not about our church necessarily, but in, in the church, in Christian society circles, Matthew 7, 22, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's the challenge, isn't it? I think that that is probably one of, if not the most challenging verses for every Christian to read. But it comes down to this. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? And that, to me, is a personal, experiential, if that's the word, relationship with Jesus. Not, and this is the thing, I might go off off script here, Um, this is the thing between, the difference between a convert and a disciple. We can make converts by getting people to pray a prayer, but they will never be a disciple. A disciple knows Jesus. A convert can know about Jesus. There's a difference. And we, as a church, have to be responsible, that's what the Great Commission is, to go and make disciples. We're responsible for helping people to know Jesus. Anyway, back onto Christian. He climbs up the hill of difficulty. He meets two, these two visitors. One is called mistrust, and one is called timorous, which means nervousness. And um, he sees them coming back down. They're saying, it's too hard, there's lions up the way. So Christian carries on and he sees these lines, but then he realises the lions are chained up. And we know that the, uh, in the scripture, isn't it James, is it James that talks about the lions um, like a roaring lion, the, the enemy. And so we see these, these fierce, dangerous, but there's a restraint. And this is the way of the cross. Every place we walk, even though it's difficult and challenging, we are always in the hands of our Saviour. A narrow way is not a walk in the park, but it's in the valley of the shadow of death, as it says in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Christian, he does stumble at one point on the hill of difficulty because he gets tired and he decides to take a sleep. And I won't go into the detail but uh, about why that went wrong for him. Um, well, I will actually. 
He falls asleep and he, as he falls, his roll that had the seal on it falls out of his cloak. And as he wakes up in the morning and he heads off, he, he loses it. And he loses his encouragement. He loses the word of God. He loses his, his confidence. And in the end, he has to run back and find it. And, um, and I think this is the great challenge to um, us in these days, that we are not immune from the influences of this world. You know, the enemy's ways are subtle. So um, he'll slowly, slightly move us in a different direction. You know, um, but this whole thing that I want us just to focus on for this moment is our weariness leads to sleepiness. Just as Christian lay his head on that, let me just sit, just for a bit. I just need to take a break. I just need to take a break from my Christian or my spiritual disciplines. I just need to take a break from church family. I just need to take a break from prayer. I just need to take a break from the word. There's a film I watched last night. I'd like us to watch it as a church, actually. And it's about the underground church in Iran. Um, And it's a powerful film. It's incredible. And it's two hours long, um, but the first hour and a half is worth watching and then and then praying about it, considering it, talking about it, um, being challenged by it. But I just want to read this 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 um, this guy who was an American Christian who was talking about how he met some people. It says, um, there was one story that was shared by a couple who had the opportunity to move to the United States, and they did. After being there a short period of time, she said she wanted to return to Iran. The husband said, Why? where there is persecution. You know, I mean, it, I don't think I need to go into detail about what happens if you're found out to be a Christian in Iran, especially if you're a woman. And uh, he said, why, you know, there's persecution, there's oppression. And she said, there is here in the West a satanic lullaby and all the Christians are sleepy and I am feeling sleepy. And the person recalling this story said that she was describing the threat that was far greater than what she believed the threat would be in Iran. For her, if she was found out, she would first be raped, beaten, and then killed. And she saw that threat more than what she felt was in the West. A sleepiness, a satanic lullaby. And the guy goes on and he says, um, spiritual sleepiness, Lethargy and indifference was a greater threat than persecution. And he said, and is she right? And he said, I think she is. It makes you wonder when you watch and listen to what's going on in such oppressive places where the church of God is growing so phenomenally. There are no church buildings, there are no large gatherings, there are individuals walking around, talking to people, sharing their faith, and God is meeting people in powerful ways. And um, it's such an encouragement, and at the same time, such a challenge for us in our nice, comfortable homes, complaining that we can't go down the shop without a mask. And let's face it, complaining, not wanting to come to church. I'm just throwing these out, not saying that I believe all this, but let me just be provocative. Complaining and moaning that I cannot sing. That's a challenge to me. You know, I want to meet in homes with up to 15 people and I'm moaning about the fact that I can't do that where there are some people 
They can only meet in twos and threes. Or even just with one person along the way. Now that, to me, is a challenge. That's the way of the cross. These people in Iran, these blessed brothers and sisters of us who have such a heart and a desire for God and a passion for God and a passion for Israel, if you know anything about that, it just will blow your mind. Love God in such a powerful way and we in the West can be so complaining about our lack of liberty because we can't meet as church. I'm not criticising anyone in saying that. I'm challenging myself. I hope you understand. But you see, I think the, the reason people may neglect the gathered church or spiritual disciplines of reading their Bible, praying, sharing their faith or seeking God or whatever it is, is because essentially it's a byproduct of a neglect of our relationship with God. And are we really walking the way of the cross? Are we really walking the narrow way? I remember as a child on holiday with my family, I remember this so clearly, I remember walking up the stairs, I remember what the lift shaft looked like, um, this is the picture in my mind, I might have fabricated it after, over time. We went into this room, well, I knew we had to be quiet, I was probably about yay high. Um, went into this room, I remember the guy closing all of the curtains, and then my dad sat down with a group of people and he, and he had a meeting. Um, and I remember, I don't know when it was, but we was in Hungary, I think, um, and they had to do that because they could not worship God openly. You know, it's amazing what you remember. One of the most powerful, impactful books. Has anyone read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Put your hands up if you've read that. Anyone not read it? Well, you've got two books a day. You need to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's an old book. And also Pilgrim's Progress. You've got to read it. There is no cartoon for Fox's Book of Martyrs, by the way. But there is for the other one. Um... Across the world, the church is suffering. Wherever you see persecution, you see the church walking the way of the cross and you see that the church is growing phenomenally. And Iran is the fastest growing church um, in the world. Um, and, And they're not only dealing with the pandemic, but they're dealing with being persecuted simply for loving Jesus. If you, I know it's hard to get real information these days, but the way that Iran is dealing with the pandemic is, is, let's just say, if you've got complaints about Boris Johnson, just read what's going on in some other countries. And that's not to justify our government, and I'm not getting into politics there. I'm just saying what often the believers, we've heard about the believers in India and what they're having to struggle with. Um, Jesus said, take up your cross. And these Christians know what that means. That is their whole idea. They don't have any other idea of Christianity. They don't have an idea of, of, of converts, of people. Uh, one, one guy said the thing with converts is when trouble comes, converts run away. When disciples come, they're willing to die. And I said, and what you're finding this is so encouraging for you women. It says majority of the leaders in the underground church in Iran are women. And they are the people who are under a, a great threat Yet they are the ones who are standing up for God. Some of the ex-prostitutes, drug addicts, they've been abused. This, this is incredible. It's so, that's why I want us to watch it, because it will blow our minds on what God is doing. It really is encouraging. You know, they took up their cross, we should be taking up our cross. The church, uh, Jesus loves his church, he gave himself for it. That's you and I as a collective You know, he's committed to his bride and so we should be committed to his bride. He's always turning up and so should we.
turn up, whether you're turning up online, you're turning up on the phone. I know it's great that we get Doreen and Dolly here who, who can turn up. Difficult to turn up when there's no internet and all that lot, isn't it? But God is faithful to us, his church. He is committed to serving the church and the church should be committed to serving him. Uh, let me finish with this scripture. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, or they conquered him, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives to the death. I want to ask you this morning, are you, are you walking the way of the cross? Are you willing to face every difficulty and say, I'm following Jesus and this is the way he's going. And if it means I'm going to lose this, 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 this and this, praise God, because I'm going to gain this, this, this and this. If I'm going to lose my life, I'm going to gain my life. As long as, as soon as we try to gain our life, we will lose it. Amen? I just want to ask you if you want to stand with me as I pray and then I'll like Jana and the guys to come up. You can stand at home as well. Um, and I just want you to, in your own heart before the Lord to just do business with him and say, Lord, am I walking the way of the cross? Have I compromised? Have I neglected God? Have I neglected my relationship with him? Am I just being a kind of a convert and not a disciple? You just had those conversations. But Lord, I want to say thank you. I want to ask for your Holy Spirit to enable us to work in our hearts that is driven by love, love for you, love for your church, love for what you're doing, Lord, and love for the lost. Lord, are those that don't know you. Father, will you in this church do a fresh thing, Lord, in the midst of this pandemic, Lord, that there is no restriction upon us, Lord, that you do not have a plan to work in for your glory. Lord, and I just want to pray for us as a church that you will come and minister to us. Father, I know, Lord, that these things, we could talk more about these things, Lord, and um, but Father, I just pray your spirit will make known what you want to say this morning to each one of us. So, Lord, I just want to commit us all to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.